Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men quit pornography. So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Today, I have on the show with me Andrew Bauman, author of The Psychology of Porn, as well as Stumbling Towards Wholeness. He is a practicing therapist in Seattle at the Christian Counseling Center for Sexual Health and Trauma. Trauma. There we go. There you go. Got it. Well, thanks, yeah. thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm hey, glad I to love, have you love, here. Yeah, I love the work you're doing. So thanks for having me. Yeah, likewise. So Andrew is going to be on the show in not just one episode, but two. Boom. Bring it. We, we have a lot to talk about. Um, Andrew, could you start out by telling us some of your story uh, yeah. from, from pornography? Yeah, I feel like it's fairly, you know, the, the classic tale, you know, growing up um, conservative, Christian, um, everyday church, dad was a pastor, um, nobody talked about sexuality, it was all hidden, secretive, but don't have sex before marriage, so you heard that. Um, so that was about my sex education. Um, and then, uh, my dad got caught, um, sexually acting out, which started blowing up the, the facade, right? Blowing up the Christian perfect family that we were. And so as my parents' world started crumbling, their marriage started crumbling. You know, I was still a child at the time, um, around eight years old. Um, so that kind of began the journey of feeling the weight of depression feeling the weight of where is my dad? Nobody, I don't even know what's going on. We, uh, we were told we were going on vacation to North Carolina and my dad stayed in Florida and that was the conversation. Um, later finding out that, you know, trying to protect the kids from, you know, sexual deviancy or whatever you want to call it, right? And yet, no, nothing was defined for us, right? Nothing was, so my world is spinning. My world is ripped out from under me. And basically, as I begin to approach puberty and internet becomes a thing, um, finding something to soothe my soul, finding something to that anxiety, I needed a place for that anxiety. I needed something to meet my pain. And that's where pornography began to really um, save my life in some ways and really began to. Um, help me not go crazy. And so 13 years of uh, where it becomes addiction, it becomes darker and darker and porn begins to nearly kill me, um, enslave me, um, where it begins to impact my relationships, my style of relating, how I engage women, how I become a sexual abuser, um, how I begin to devour women and literally makes it nearly impossible for me to have healthy relationships as I'm into my twenties um, and realizing like I am not okay. So 14 years later, I end up in 14 years ago, I end up in a psych ward um, nearly taking my life um, and literally trying at that time using everything to numb and nothing quite numb my pain, like the beauty of a woman. And so slowly from that destruction, I began to rebuild the pieces. Um, 
therapist comes into my life, a mentor, a professor takes me in and that's, you know, 15, 16 years ago, beginning to put the pieces back together. And now I'm, you know, about 12 years sober and been in this work about a decade now and I'm dedicated to helping men uh, recover healthy sexuality. So that's the, the nutshell. Yeah. And I love how we're on that mission on the front lines yes, every day, sure. working oh, yeah. with guys who are in the same place where we were. Yes, exactly. exactly. In the book, yeah. In the book, you talk about how porn was the closest thing to heaven you could mm-hmm. access at the time. Yeah, yeah. We all are. We are all designed for beauty, you know. And so you have all these management techniques, you know, every man's battle, and these bouncing the eyes, and all these things that are just that aren't helpful. And yet, that's what we grew <laughs> up with. You know, manage it, manage it. And it's like, it doesn't work for me. I tried and I used shame to shame myself, self-contempt to beat myself into submission. Prayers of trying to, if I could just cut off my penis, you know, <laughs> if, I could, if I could just, you know, feed my balls to a dog, like I could be somehow God pleasing. And it just never worked for me. You know, we had, remember a group, guys again good hearts we had a jack we called it the jackpot and every time you masturbated you had to put five dollars in the jackpot you know it's just like so we just put five bucks a bunch and you know it's it's not helpful and so we need to create this new way of engaging um beauty where it's not this thing that we or that we're scared of we actually need to learn to make peace with um we don't need to run away from it so it's not about you know, bouncing your eyes. It's about what do you do with beauty? Do you honor it or do you devour it? Mm. And I learned how to devour beauty. And that was my pornographic mindset rather than learning to honor beauty, learning to honor the Imago Dei, the face of God in the other. That's actually what I want to talk about with you now, because Mm -hmm. you have defined a concept that made this so clear for me called PSR, a pornographic yes. style of relating, yes. um, that devouring of the other. Yes. Could you talk a little bit more about, okay, what is this pornographic style of relating? How, yeah. how, how does that play out for somebody who's yeah. struggling? So especially folks like me who grew up in a culture that didn't talk about sex, um, you know, didn't talk about healthy sexuality, didn't talk about masturbation didn't talk, you know, rather than it was just shame or rather than just no, but there was no tools given. So porn comes in and becomes the teacher, right? So here I am 12, 13 years old and porn begins to mentor me. So porn takes me under the wing and it fills in the gaps that my parents were too ashamed or, you know, just did not talk about the, the church did not engage in a helpful way. So when porn becomes your mentor, that's where I developed this thing uh, you mentioned, uh, pornographic style of relating. So basically, porn unconsciously teaches us how to relate to the world, right? So it, it just seeps in, it gets into our brain, it begins to teach us how to objectify rather than honor. It teaches us how to control, right? So one of the first, the first categories of PSR, I talk about control, right? So when I'm using porn, I get to control the entire scene. Okay, what do I want? What position? What do I see? What do I, right? And I can control everything. 
well, now bring that to my marriage, right? It's like, yeah, right. Yeah. If I'm going to control anything, I'm yeah. with another human being who has tons of feelings, tons of, you know, oh, the kid's crying. Oh, the, like this sucks. Real sex, yeah. right? It's hard. And I we got control. these. Yeah. And we, we received these purity culture promises when we were little. Right. Like, okay. Just hold your breath sexually until your marriage and then yep. you can get whatever you want and let exactly. it all out. Right. Then it's just going to be this wild, great sex, right? It's just like, wait a minute. That's just not how it works at all. You, a lot of times you have some of the women who've been in the purity movement who become asexual. So they've cut off their sexuality. And then you have so many of these dudes that have become oversexed and have grown up on porn and then put them together. How does that go? Right? Boy, that's going to go well. You know, <laughs> it's not going to go well at all. Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing is that actually a pornographic style of relating and purity culture have a lot in common. Yeah. Say they more both, about that. What do you mean? Well, they both can't handle beauty, right? I like that. Yep. I like that. Yes, exactly. And so exactly. in, in each case, it's ultimately a self-centered approach where it's all about me, whether yes, uh, exactly me getting what I want sexually or me being uh, morally pure in the eyes of God. It's still me, me, me. Right. Right. Um, Right. And it, it's so interesting. And I talk about this every day with folks, you know, well, I didn't have sex before I was married, you know, married, like that's the big thing. You know, I didn't have intercourse, you know, and it's just like, but you looked at a million women having it, you know, men having sex every single day. It's like, no, you're not a virgin. You know, like, you're the, you're the opposite of a virgin. You know, it's just like, we're so oversexed and yet we had this cognitive dissonance that because I did not stick my penis inside her vagina, you know, and it's just like, Oh my gosh. And again, from my own story, it's like, I remember those days and just like, Oh, just, you know, dry hump. And it's just like, this is not like we have such a broken view of what sexual purity is, what integrity is. Um, I mean, and that's why it's so important that, you know, guys like us and, and women, and we start changing this conversation culturally. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you're giving us vocabulary with mm -hmm. PSR to name mm -hmm. these realities. So yes. you talked about control. I think the next one is mm -hmm. objectification. Yep. Objectification versus honor, which we talked about, you know, so I also name what's the healthy you know, what's the healthy side? What's a redeemed category? Yeah. So for the first one, control, what's redeemed is freedom, right? Um, rooted in maturity, security of both partners. Um, the next section is objectification. The redeemed category is honor, right? So when Mount Rainier is out in Seattle, right, there's an awe to her beauty. Wow, God made her well, right? <laughs> so how do I look at Mount Rainier, right? Versus how do I look at a woman and say, wow, she is beautiful. Like her breasts are beautiful. Like her, like she is beautiful. Her body, her everything. God made her well. Okay, moving on. Right? And, right. and I'm not going to take from her beauty. I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to park her out like a used car. Mm. I'm going to honor her, honor that God made her well. And I'm going to move on because she does not get to rule me. Right. Um, she is not get, you know, save my life. And so that's the difference of, of honor and honoring God, the Imago Dei in her face. I absolutely love that. 
And some guys, when they hear you talk about this, are going to be uncomfortable. Like, wait, he's giving me permission to enjoy mm-hmm. the beauty of mm-hmm. these young women who I walk by on the sidewalk? Like, mm-hmm. every man's battle told me, bounce your eyes. Sure, sure, sure. Don't think and, and, about that. Right. And I say, you know, it's more about how you engage it. You know, not if you see it. Try to live in this world. You are going to be inundate i mean our entire culture is rooted in the objectification of women mm. you know marketing you know look at the halftime show you know it's just like it sex doesn't sell the objectification of women sells wow yeah. and so <laughs> that's you right know, the objectification of women sells so so that is what we have to engage in this world is how do we no longer objectify a woman how do we honor her Um, rather than devour her. Amen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and the categories I like to talk about are repressed sexuality, Mm -hmm. which is more purity culture, and released sexuality, like I'm going to do whatever I want, which is porn offer us, rather than redeemed sexuality. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yep. The way I talk about it is shame versus shamelessness. You know, we, we somehow think, you know, shame is obviously not the answer, what I grew up with. And then I have a lot of my liberal friends here in Seattle are just like, oh, yeah, everything goes. Let's go have sex with everybody. It's like, wait a minute, that that's not the answer either. Mm-hmm. You know, like that is not, you know, I don't want to control anybody's sexuality. And yet there's got to be some middle middle space um, right. that we can nuance well yeah. to talk about. Yeah. So that I can honor beauty. I don't have to own it. I don't have to possess mm-hmm. it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's maturity. That's, that's becoming yes. a sexual adult. Um, exactly. That's and, outgrowing porn. Yeah. Cause it's, it's stunting our sexual development. Exactly. Uh, you know, when we exactly. were little kids, it was keeping us as a sexual child. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, the next category that I talk about in PSR is that of speed versus a gradual growing which is kind of what you were just saying. Like when I was looking at porn, it was just always more like I need more click, click, click next, next. What's going to do it for me. Right. What's going to, you know, and then for me, it came out and this changes for each individual. But for me, it was like, as I began to date women or, you know, I've bounced from girl to girl to girl, you know, it was, it, it modeled mirrored my style of relating of, Oh, maybe this next girl will, will be the answer. Right. Versus just, a healthy redeemed category is that a, a gradual growth, right? We don't fall into love. We grow into love. Mm. You know, it's a mature thing. It's not this fantasy world um, that we've come to know so well. Yeah. That makes sense to me because when you, when you become an adult and you, and you have healthy relationships, they move slow. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Right. And that's how it grows strong, mm. you know, and, uh, and, my book, The Psychology of Porn, I talk about um, this one, um, the healthy relationship indicator, which I use with my clients. And basically we map out, you know, how, what is a healthy relationship? And you grow in connection through intellectual connection, sexual connection, spiritual connection, and emotional connection. And if we grow those together over time, that's a really healthy relationship. And yet so many folks that I work with either have a super high sexual connection and then it's just like, wait, you're not growing intellectually or emotionally. And, and it's, it, you know, the graph ends up looking like a mountain rather than like a balanced approach mm-hmm. to healthy growth and connection with your partner. 
Yeah. So, so porn becomes this short circuiting. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, Let's see. Do you want to go through the next category? I mean, we might as well. I mean, we've already done the first three. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So the fourth one is a hunger, right? It creates that kind of that that ravis that ravin ravaging, right? That hunger. I just remember how imprisoning that felt. Um, I I need it, right, to be okay, right? Mm-hmm. Versus the redeem category of that is desire, right? It's separating the the need from the want. No, I want you. I don't need you to be okay, but I, like I want you. I desire you. Mm-hmm. and desire is such a beautiful thing when it's not based in that hunger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that play out in my life. My first uh, mm-hmm. big long-term dating relationship was based on need. Yes. And, right. and that was that pornographic style of relating. Yes, exactly. And you, we learn how to be enmeshed, you know, we learn how to, yeah. how to enmesh with, with our partners because porn has become such a, a way of sustenance for us, such yeah. a, a thing of life, we, or at least artificial life. And so then we end up using women yes. to become this kind of emotionally kind of needy little boys. Yes, exactly. And so mm-hmm. porn becomes the pacifier. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. Um, and so then I traded that for my girlfriend who became exactly. emotional pacifier, helping me feel okay with myself, yep. you know, my other half, as they say. Yep. And, and this exactly. is what I see all the time is guys are, are going into marriage and thinking this will solve my problem. This will meet yep. my need because exactly. now I can have sex. I won't need porn anymore. She's a replacement. My, my wife becomes my porn star. Exactly. Bingo. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh my word. <laughs> yep. And it doesn't work. Yeah. Your wife is not a sex doll. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And, and again, that's where a pornographic style of relating is so important because it's like we can't just take our pornographic mindsets and then put them on our marriage, put them on right. our wives. And then we blame our wives for not being sexual enough or mm-hmm. not having desires. So it's like, oh, wait a minute. Your wife's not your porn star? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. You mean she's a human? She, yeah. You mean her pleasure matters? You mean, it's not just Mm -hmm. about you and it's just like, you know, blows people's minds because again, they don't even know that they've been brainwashed um, into this, you know, culture of pornography. Yeah, you're right. Porn was our mentor. It was our teacher. Mm -hmm. And as you say in the book, it was our lover. Yes. And it was a committed, consistent lover. It was our God. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. I talk about the idolatry of porn, you know, and just basically like, do you know we're married to porn? What happens (laughs) if you look at it like a relationship rather than just, you know, I have this porn issue. I hear that all the time. It's like, wait a minute. You had this little baby issue, like you stubbed your toe, (laughs) you know, or you've been cheating on your wife for 25 Mm. years with another lover, which would you rather say, you know, are we going to use language to minimize it? I have a problem with lust. Please pray for me. Or I'm masturbating to women's breasts and I'm hiding it from my wife. And I'm acting, you know, like, are you going to tell the truth Mm -hmm. of what you're actually participating in? That you're participating in the sexual exploitation of women, the violence against women, the sex trade. Like, are you going to be honest with what you're participating in? Or do you have a lust issue? 
Mm-hmm. You know, are you going to minimize it to make yeah. it nothing? Yeah. So all these <laughs> lust management strategies mm-hmm. are right. Are just puny. And insufficient. they're lying. Yeah. They're lying to themselves, right? So they don't feel the weight of their sin. Mm-hmm. So I'm always helping people re-language mm-hmm. and actually feel the weight of what they're participating in. Right. And if, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this right now and, and feeling that weight, know that our, our goal is not to make you feel bad about yourself, right? I mean, what, mm-hmm. where do you lead people once they kind of grasp mm-hmm. what sure. they're doing? Sure. And so a lot of times there is a way you turn up the shame right? Like in in that sense of make them feel the weight of it. But then this is where it's so important and where, you know, Romans 2, 4 is so important. The kindness of God that leads to repentance is no, like, oh, like feel the weight of it. And then we can begin to be radically kind uh, to the broken little boy who needed porn to be okay. You know, for, for me of, of like that little boy who was fatherless, and whose mom went numb because of her own broken heart, and I was orphaned. And I can show immense compassion. You know, in in the book, I talk about blessing pornography. And it's like, you're not blessing the physical pornography, you're blessing the story that led to pornography, Mm. right? You're blessing the broken little boy, for me and my own story, that needed it, where porn became a parent. And it's like, if I can radically bless that little boy, I don't have to contempt for him anymore. And I can actually talk about this openly and I can actually begin to be honest with my own life and my story. Yeah. This is so good. This is so good. And (laughs) it's showing me how uh, in porn, porn, we are participating in exploitation. Yes. And that's actually the overflow of the harm we have received. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. So, So we can be completely honest about, just how much violence we're doing through our consumption mm-hmm. of porn and see that it ultimately has roots in the violence that was done to us. Exactly. Yes. And if we don't take our, our story seriously, you know, or our own pain seriously, a lot of time we just keep projecting that pain onto, onto others. And yeah. so many issues with men specifically is our mother wounds, yeah. you know, and what we do with mm-hmm. the feminine. Right. And so for you, you know, the people who are watching this, what work have you done around your own mother wounds? Have you taken seriously that your mom used you as an emotional spouse, as a surrogate, as a, you know, what, like, have you done that work to see then how have you then eroticized, sexualized your wounding? Mm -hmm. Right. And that's why we... explore the type of porn that people look at. That's why we explore sexual fantasies. That's why, because we need to get back to the, to the wounding. Yeah. This is a kind of a prophetic moment because that is the area of my story that I'm pressing into right now. Wow. Nice. Is that mother wound? Because here's the connection. And again, I don't want to make it too personal for you, but this is just universal. (laughs) This is just, you know, I'm not just talking about you, but when we have, um, when we are used as a surrogate spouse, right? We have a very high emotional connection to our moms, right? But we don't have sex with our moms. So we need then to, to fit, to make the puzzle piece fit together. We need a high sexual connection without any emotional connection. Wow. 
because we don't want any more emotional connection because mom is filling up so much of my emotional tank. I want her to get away from me because I'm feeling devoured. So give me high sex and no emotion. What fits perfectly into that puzzle piece? Pornography. Bingo. Bingo. That wasn't a hard one. Bingo. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, and so this is all part of like, you know, that hunger. I feel that need. Um, yep. Because porn, of your own yep. wounding, because of right. your own unhealed, you know, right. wounding. Right. And that's and, just so common. And so when you can go back into your childhood mm-hmm. and experience healing at a deeper level, it frees us to be able yes. to desire women without exactly. needing them or, or even just to desire companionship and friendship. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you know, even, even, friendships with other men, I find myself sometimes becoming clingy or or sometimes out of need rather than desire. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well said. Well said. Yeah. Because not everybody's married. Not everybody's going to get married. And we all need this though. We all need intimacy. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Connection. And that goes to the next category, um, a style of relating of isolation, Mm -hmm. right? We learn sexuality in the you know dim light of our computer screen or our phones, and we learn to do it um, in a, in a hidden way, which which kind of feeds that uh, we don't talk about our sexuality, we don't talk about this stuff openly, or um, and so part of that redeemed category is communion, is togetherness, um, coming out and speaking about this openly, start talking about it, start reading good books you know, start talking and again, not just managing, but actually being real with your pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of times in order to really access that pain, we need other people to help us. Mm-hmm. And if we try to, to do this alone, um, we're setting ourselves up for yes. further exactly. struggles. And that's why your counseling center exists, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, sadly, job security right yeah it's just like the christian world especially you know which is kind of why we ended up going with a christian in the title is because because it's like this is an epidemic this is 50 percent of pastors this is 70 percent of christian men this we've grown up in this culture of hiding um yeah and sadly it's just destroyed so many folks without even knowing it yeah so that's why we're here. Uh, let's exactly. let's hit this last one. At least it's the last one I wrote down. Yep. Yep. Fantasy versus authenticity. Yes, that's one of the most important ones because it's actually quite easy. Um, some of your listeners might disagree, but as you're diving into this, it's actually kind of easy to stop looking at naked women on the internet. Um, what's difficult, what takes time, what takes years, is changing the fantasy structure. Mm. right changing what you do with women in your mind right and so beginning to tell the truth what we talked about earlier beginning to be fully authentic um, that's one of the the living in truth that's one of the first steps to break this fantasy world right Uh, so quick story Um, client comes in okay first five minutes of our session and uh, this is years ago and he walks in and says why he's here you know so he he says well i want you know he's married i walk into this gas station and i look at the woman on the counter 
she looks at me, she goes, locks the door, and we just start going at it. We just start making out. And then he smiled. Okay. So I have seconds to make a decision. What am I going to do? And I look at him and I say, why haven't you killed yourself yet? I don't say that's great therapy, but I knew in the moment he had so much narcissism that he wasn't going to kill himself. But that smile went off his face in a very quick way. And he realized I'm not there to celebrate his misogyny. I'm not, I'm not going to congratulations. You cheated on your wife, you know, way to go, bro. Right. But he knew like, I am going, like, I made it real, really quick. And, and we spent the next two years trying to undo, right, his, his mindset, pornographic mindset mm. of what he was doing to women and how he was trying to devour them. And so that took away that fantasy, right, of yeah. walking, into, <laughs> walking into the store and just, you know, oh, the barista's going to jump my bones. You know, it's just like, no, like, that's ridiculous. You know, but porn has taught us how to fantasize mm. about the, all these unrealistic sexual expectations yeah. that aren't based in truth and authenticity. Mm -hmm. um, and so we got to make it real. We got to make it very real because the fantasy world is not rooted in real life. Um, and it's not true. Yeah. Wow. So you, you basically jolted him into reality. <laughs> Blew it up real quick. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. We actually have a, a free course called the sexual fantasy framework. If you want to learn more about where your sexual fantasies come from, I'm going to include a link to the show notes. And, and this is so crucial because uh, those fantasies are there for a reason. Yes, exactly. And, and if you don't judge them, but mm -hmm. you're actually curious about them, they can actually lead to a lot of, a lot of good yeah. freedom. Yeah. So our fantasies can teach us a lot about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And when we go into them and understand them, that can really help and help us to come back into reality. Oh, yeah. What I find is that it's so much more hard to unlearn these pornographic styles of relating. Yes. It's so much harder to unlearn than if we were just learning. Oh, totally. Exactly. And that's where it comes to reparenting. Mm. Uh, some of this healing journey is learning to reparent the traumatized little boy, little girl inside of us, right? That that's just hurt. And we have to learn, relearn, reparent how to engage. Yeah. And the image in my mind, which I think I got from Nick Stumbo is this ball of yarn that's so tight mm -hmm. and there are all these different threads and stories that are in our sexual fantasies. And yes. when we can, as you said, stop judging them and mm -hmm. drop the fantasy, live in reality, we can begin to unwind yes. those threads a little bit and, and become more flexible and, and our sexual fantasies don't have to control us anymore. Yes. Amen. Yeah. So, so did I forget any of the other categories in PSR? Oh, I think we, think we covered it. Awesome. Flew, flew through that. But yeah, I hope that's helpful, helpful framework for your listeners. And I know it's, you know, help, helped me make sense of it. Yeah. So what is the opposite of PSR? Mm -hmm. Healthy sexuality. And, and, and again, healthy sexuality 
is what we're trying to, even now, um, this year coming out with another book, The health, Sexually Healthy Man. And I, I think because of the management of, um, there, there actually hasn't been very many good resources on what healthy sexuality is. Well, what, like, so we tear down this, you know, this pornographic mindset. We tear down, we, we look at the, the misogyny and the sexism in the culture and we begin to see this more clearly. Well, then what's left? And that's where it's like, we got to begin to build this framework of what, what do we have? What can we learn um, from others who are more sexually liberated, who don't live in shame? Like, how do we build a healthy sexual framework that's, you know, rooted in the belief, you know, the faith in Jesus and actually have a beautiful sexuality, healthy sexuality, mutually yeah. pleasing, honoring right. sexuality. Yeah. Even a Christ-like sexuality. Yes, mm -hmm. for sure. So not lustful, not controlling, not objectifying, yes. pornographic, but right. truly loving. Exactly. Yeah. And, and mutual. And, you know, I think some people think, well, if it's healthy, it's not going to be exciting or it's not going to be and it's <laughs> yeah. just like, no, like that's the thing. It actually becomes deep. It actually becomes beautiful. Yeah. So what you're right. saying is when there's awkwardness and pain and mm -hmm. kids messing around in the other room and mm -hmm. yeah. work gets to be a part of it and it kind of taints it and you're trying to mm -hmm. figure out this sexual experience with another person and you're both broken mm -hmm. and you're trying to get your underwear off and it's, yes, it's so real. Yes. What you're saying exactly. is that that's actually all part of it. It's actually all part of it. Actually what grows the intimacy and the connection in such a beautiful a beautiful way, right? Um, if I see the stretch marks on my wife's belly, can I kiss them? Can I bless them? Because she warred to give birth to four of my children, of our children. Her body, her breasts fed our kids. Like, right? There's no, you can't honor when you're objectifying. You can't honor the scars. You can't honor the stretch marks. You can't honor if breasts are saggy from feeding children. You know, it's, it, it's not like you can't honor what's real, what's true, what's beautiful about my wife. You're showing me just how much pornography has shaped our sexual imaginations. Mm -hmm. yes. um, it's deep. Yes, and how much more there is when we can unlearn pornographic style of relating. Yes. And with the help of Jesus, with the help of trained professionals and community around us and great yes. resources like your books, like mm -hmm. husband material, we can grow into sexually mature adults. Yes. Amen. Who, who can handle beauty. Exactly. Exactly. Who can enjoy exactly. beauty as God intended, man. Exactly. Awesome. Andrew, yes. thanks so much for uh, this part one. For sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, let's, let's get on with uh, part two. How can right. people connect with you if they're just listening to this one episode? Yeah. Um, so you can check out uh, my website, Andrew J. Bauman, B-A-U-M-A-N.com andrewjbauman.com and then also my business website www.christiancc.org awesome um, also follow me on yeah follow me on facebook author page yep. and stay tuned for part two coming right up <laughs>